Ever wonder how a Comic-Con comes together? Here are two guys that know because it's what they do every day. It's the Con Men Podcast. Now for another mediocre podcast attempt, it's Greg Adams and Puff. I'm singing like Elvis. I'm leaving that in. This is the Con Men Podcast. Greg Adams over here, Puff uh, singing over there. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about a bunch of Comic-Con related stuff because uh, part of our day job every single day is putting together a Comic-Con and so we find a way to pull the curtain back and reveal some of the ins and outs of what it is that we do. Uh, the Comic-Con that we are a part of is GeekedCon in Shreveport, Louisiana happening mm-hmm. every August. This August it is the 21st through 23rd. Uh, we, we still don't have a lineup to announce completely. No, sadly. yeah, we, we've announced a lot of them. You can find them at geekcon.com. I just want to talk about it already, damn it. Well, actually, not next week, but the week after, we'll be able to talk about the whole lineup. Two weeks from now, we will do an entire episode talking about just our lineup. You know, we've literally been holding on to this information for like three months now. Not, and, not and I'm about to explode. Some of these people, it literally has been three months. The people that we have yet to announce. Some of, well, let's see. Hell, one of them goes back all the way to last year we started the conversation with this person. Well, a lot of these conversations, to be honest, and I don't want to get too far off track, we always seem to talk about the guests, which is fine because I hear from people who listen to the podcast. They love when we talk about the guests and how the booking works. Um I just want to spit it out. That's that's all it's, I was saying. You can safely say every year that conversations for some particular guests have been taking place for years. Well, some of the guests that we have this year, the conversations started two or three years ago. Well, started, but I mean, like they got serious, like almost confirmed during last year's GeekCon, and then like a month or two later, it was confirmed. And uh, I just want to talk about it. Well, we will. In two weeks, let's go ahead and say it right now. In two weeks, we will devote an entire podcast to just our lineup. So if you are a fan of our particular show, GeekCon, in Shreveport, you can look forward to that. Uh, But today we are going to do a more generalized topic because we do know that there are people who are listening uh, that run their own Comic-Con type events. They run their own pop culture expos. And they've been listening to the show. They're even reaching out with questions now, which... Uh, you can reach out to either of us and mm-hmm. hit us up and let us know if there's something you want us to talk about specifically. You want to offer a suggestion or idea. Uh, we've I, I know personally I'm catching about a dozen different folks uh, every week with, with some questions or suggestions or answers to some of the things that we're confused on sometimes. Yeah, and we uh, I know I get mm, probably not as much as you, but because. Oh, my profile is hidden from uh, the public <laughs> eye, but uh, you know, from the people that I'm friends with, uh, I do hear a lot, which is kind of awesome. Well, you uh, you just said you were at a hockey game. Oh yeah, since we're going to be talking about the Shreveport Mudbugs here in a minute, uh, when I was at because I also work for them because I don't have enough jobs. <laughs> uh, while I was uh, at the games this past weekend, I got stopped by like three or four different people who are like, "Dude, I love the show. Keep it up. Uh, when are you announcing a wrestler? Uh, who's the headliner? Let me know. I won't tell anybody. That sort of thing." So it's kind of awesome when uh, people get fired up about it as much as we are and knowing how much you want to talk about the headliners you probably told them i i didn't 
I wish I, I wanted to. I, I have really been a good boy this year. I've hardly told anybody about anything. Like uh, even our partners at the Mudbugs were trying to find out who we're announcing, and I didn't <laughs> tell them. Uh, so <laughs> I, I've been keeping a, a, a tight lid on it, but it's been hard, real, real hard. So you mentioned the Shreveport Mudbugs, which is our local hockey team, uh, and that's part of the overall discussion that I wanted to have today, uh, part of – putting together an event like this uh outside promotions yep outside promotions is something that we've kind of touched on before i know we've talked about marketing in general and this could be viewed as an arm of marketing but when i say outside promotions i don't mean marketing um when i think marketing i think paid advertising yes so in the past, we've talked about paid advertising, whether it be social media driven or whether it be uh, finding a media partner, somebody that you trust and know has the reach, traditional media, uh, billboards, flyers, TV, radio. We've talked about that in the past. This is different from that in my mind because outside promotion is a legitimate promotion. Yeah, and it's a different approach that you have to take. It's not like uh, you sit down with the analytics and, ooh, we're trying to reach these people. It's a lot. It's similar, but a lot different. And it's actually easier. Yes. Because when you're identifying a partner for this, and that's that's the biggest part to an outside promotion. Because when I say outside promotion, basically what you're doing is you're finding somebody else that you can mutually benefit from your involvement in their event with your brand. Yep. So if you've built a brand for uh, Insert City Here Comic Expo. You've got a brand that's been built. You have another event in town that is similar, not similar, like not the exact same, although you can promote at other comic expos and comic cons. We'll get to that later. But when you have an event in town, say a Renaissance Fair, you're a comic expo and there's a Renaissance Fair. That is a mutual partnership that can benefit both sides. You have a group of people that you could potentially expose to this renaissance fair that maybe have never attended or heard about it. Yep. And there are people attending that event that may never have heard of your comic expo. Yep. So by both of you doing some cross-promotion, you can reach people who probably have a predisposition to your event. Yeah. It's sort of like uh, our partnership with our local hockey team this coming uh, weekend because they are doing a, a I don't want to say Star Wars theme weekend, but a... A galaxy far, far away theme weekend it's, in Puck it's Wars. Puck Wars, uh, which uh, you know kind of fits in the, our our deal. Obviously, you know our first guest was Peter Mayhew. Uh, it's sort of nerdy and cool, uh, which is sort of our thing. So it was just those people are clearly interested in hockey, and some might enjoy Star Wars. So if we can reach those that enjoy Star Wars who maybe never even heard of us or was like, eh, I heard of that, never really you know, gave it much thought, we could maybe potentially reach people that uh, you know, wouldn't have given us a second thought. Yeah, you can do it where something like if we just wanted to partner with the hockey team for every weekend, that could be okay. Uh, you're going to reach an audience that you probably don't normally reach, but at the same time you don't reach them because they're probably not interested in what you have to offer. Now, when there's a cross-promotion opportunity with a, uh, a geek weekend going on there, now you know that you're going to have some of your people there. You're going to be able to reach people who may 
may be hockey fans, but not traditionally big enough hockey fans to go every weekend, but they heard that it's going to be uh, a geek weekend, and so they're coming to the hockey game because it's a geek hockey game. They don't know about you. Suddenly, boom, they just learned about you. They're your biggest fan now. And you might turn the other way. It's also mutually beneficial for the other uh, side, too, because you know you have a base hockey fans that you already have hooked. Well, now we're bringing in another element that Oh, like we, we've heard from people. I've never watched a hockey game in my life, but this sounds kind of awesome. I'm going to buy a ticket. If it's a good weekend, you know, great games, exciting. They enjoy the festivities around it. All of a sudden, you they have a lifelong fan. So it goes both ways, which is why cross-promotion is so important. Like if we bring a geeky family into a hockey game and it turns out that the 11-year-old kid is fascinated by hockey – he wants to get on the ice and skate. Suddenly, you've created a hockey fan out of somebody that didn't even know the game existed. And that happens because you brought them there through the geek stuff, which is why these mutually beneficial partnerships are the best. Uh, and, and there will be people who approach you if, if you have an event. And, and this is preaching to the choir for a lot of people, but this is more for somebody who's maybe thinking about starting an event or maybe in year one or two. There will be a lot of people who approach you for partnerships that maybe aren't the best. and There will be people that will try to take advantage of your brand for nothing in return. Yes. Uh, and, and those are ones that uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of thing. So uh, I don't think that we've ever really gotten into a promotional partnership that has really harmed us. I can't think of one. I can think of someone that tried, but that's another story. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure we could think about more of those, but I, I don't think that we've done any that are, that were like... Damaging. Damage, yeah, good word. Um, so, But there will be, like, we've been able to identify, we see them coming from a mile away. Like when somebody sends you an email and here's the setup and what they want to do and and they want to do this on your Facebook page and they want to do this here and they want you to come here and do this... Your brand has value. Yes. I, I know we talked about this, uh, what, two, three episodes ago, but your main job as a custodian of whatever your brand is is to protect the brand and leverage it to help you grow. So you don't want to give away the farm for free. Sometimes you can if it's mutually beneficial, but you just don't want to give it away for free to everybody and their brother because A, it dilutes the the value of your brand, which is never a good thing. Plus, you're probably going to end up getting in the bed with someone who is going to give your uh, give your brand a case of metaphorical crabs. No oh boy. All right. Well, glad that you did that. Uh, <laughs> the 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 best way to go about it though isn't to sit back on your heels and wait for somebody to come to you with the Be greatest active. idea in the world. Mm-hmm. Be active. Uh, approach some people, identify some places that you think this could be a good spot for us to do something. Well, a couple of years ago, this was a non-traditional thought. Our local, uh, what was it, Life Share, Blood Share, whatever yep. it's called, was doing like a, 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 a was it Game of Thrones themed? Well, or? so so they, they wanted to be in on the event. And so they wanted to partner with, with our event. And we kind of looked at it and said, how do we make this mutually beneficial? How do we geek up your blood drives and so they did uh develop this game of thrones idea Mm. and these game of thrones type t-shirts uh and and basically you donated blood in honor of your house uh and and so that was a way that we were able to morph a partnership into something that 
traditionally wouldn't have been that mutually beneficial, uh, but our geeks were walking away with a sense of pride and some some Game of Thrones-esque type stuff, so it became mutually beneficial. Um, I, I, but that was the point I was getting to. You don't ha- just because something doesn't immediately click doesn't mean it can't work. Sometimes you just have to put a little thought into it, and it could. And there are some places, though, that right off the bat are like low-hanging fruit for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I know it's very difficult to work with a lot of the chain theaters at this point, um, but if there's local management and if you can work with them, when you've got a big movie coming out that, that is like a Marvel movie, Black Widow is about to come out, uh, we just had a big Star Wars release this past year, if you've got a movie coming out at a local theater and you have an opportunity to work with them uh, to be able to promote that release at their theater, uh, maybe show up. That's the big thing. You need to show up. It's not just promoting it by using your brand to tell people about somebody else's event. Getting there and getting in front of people is one of the big parts of yeah, this. Yeah, you got to be active. If, if you're not active and involved in shaking hands and kissing babies, I know that's an old cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because it works. Maybe not shaking hands and kissing babies with coronavirus worries, but... <sighs> Hey, look, you did the you did the, the, the crabs joke. I can do a coronavirus reference. Yeah, but you're more likely to get crabs than the coronavirus, but that's not here or there. Uh, just the point is getting back on track. You gotta press flesh, you gotta be out there, you gotta be meeting and a greeting. And uh, movies, movie theaters, great opportunity there. The other one are game releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a local manager or regional manager at your game stops or game exchanges or whatever your local game stores are, if you have an opportunity to work with somebody there and if they've, they're doing a midnight release, they're doing something cool that's a little off the beaten path, they're looking to sell more copies of a game. If you have a way to promote that release and more people there, that's what they're looking for. So if you can find a mutually beneficial option there, uh, you, you've got something. And if you've got a store that's a maybe a comic book shop that sells Funko Pop figures or you have a hobby store of any kind, uh, there is a big thing with Funkos right now called Pop Swaps where uh, a store will invite people who have big pop collections to just come bring a card table and set up your collections and trade with people. And it's like one Saturday, everyone just calls ahead and says, hey, the store figures out we got 20 spaces. We have 20 spots to be able to put up a card table and trade your pop figures. And the first 20 people who call and register, they'll be the ones who come and trade their pops. And then Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., we're going to have a pop swap. People can come in and they can buy pops off the table. They can trade pops. They can, they're basically doing a, a little trade show inside these hobby stores. And it, it might seem kind of weird for a place that's selling Funko Pops to welcome other people into the store to sell Funko Pops in front of them. But it works because it's bringing in a whole group of people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, when you're doing these pop swaps, you get people who are serious collectors who have uh, $400, $500, $600 pop figures. Nobody's buying those. But they get excited that there's a pop swap going on, and so maybe they buy some of the ten or fifteen dollar uh, store exclusive pops that whatever location that's hosting it happens to have on their shelves. Or the store is selling pop protectors; they're selling other elements. You're bringing foot traffic into your building by doing these pop swaps. So if you can find somebody that that's hosting a store like that, 
a store that a pop swap would be a good spot for, and they don't want to deal with having to coordinate getting 20 people and 20 tables and and doing the emails on these these people who are going to be vendors basically at a pop swap, step in as somebody who has experience with vendors and layouts and say, if you let us co-brand this, we will bring a bunch of foot traffic to your building this Saturday or in a few Saturdays. It'll take some weeks to promote it. But it's the kind of thing where you can bring it to somebody else and say, I have a co-branding opportunity for you. We can drive foot traffic and door spins, door swings, whatever term you want to use. We can get people into your store if you allow us to do this. We'll promote it through our channels. We'll make sure people are here. We'll fill your store as long as you allow us to host it here. And the other thing is, I know a lot of this, well, this just sounds like a lot of work for no payoff. Yeah, but <laughs> if this well, goes... payoff. Well, hold on. That's what I'm getting to. If this goes well, all of a sudden you just made a friend for life who will help you sponsor things, help you promote things, who will help you long term. So, yes, it, it, you know, scheduling a pop swap or whatever might take a lot of effort and legwork on your end. But it's worth it long term. It also it, it pushes your brand out. Yeah. So you get to put your brand in front of a whole bunch of people. It's a double banger. And and getting your brand in front of people is another big part of this too, because when you do these co branding opportunities, you have to make sure that you are prepared for it. So if you set something up where you're physically going to be at a game store or a movie theater or a, a, a bookstore to do a pop swap, you have to make sure that you have banners. You've got flyers. You've got some posters. You've got some business cards. There are there are a lot of places that, that can help you with banners, whether it's just a generic printer, a local printer, or somebody that you can find that will do up a banner for you, or if you can find a partnership with a local beer distributor or soft drink distributor, a lot of times they have banner printing capabilities in their facilities. If you can let them put a big monster logo or... Uh, Coca-Cola logo on that banner, they might be able to print one up for you. Make sure that you got a backdrop to be able to hang it from. So if you're... Some places won't let you just tack up your banner to their wall or, or drill some holes and screw it in. So make sure that you've got something you can hang it from. Uh, if you're going to print flyers for these type of events, don't get bogged down with the weight of the paper and the type of ink. Don't spend a whole lot for these type of things on flyers. Literally buy the cheapest you can because in a lot of these instances, those flyers are going to be thrown away. So you're looking, you're, you're, your retention rate on those flyers is so low that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to spend up on those. Business cards, on the other hand, you want to save the business cards and that's where you're going to, you're going to give those to vendors and sponsors. Ticket buyers are the ones who get the cheap flyers. Vendors and sponsors are the ones you want to reserve business cards for. And when you're doing these type of events, you want to make sure that you have all of those bases covered before you show up because otherwise you're going to end up... Yeah, I mean, it's a wasted opportunity. Yeah. If, if, you, if you come up with a partnership at a, at a video game store for a, a Call of Duty Midnight release and you show up there and you got 250 people, you, 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 you and the store draw 250 people in there. And you don't have an opportunity to hand them a flyer or have them see a banner. Or if, if you miss that opportunity, then you just drew 250 people out and they have no reason to ever remember you when you leave. 
Yeah, and, and that goes into protecting the brand because you didn't do a very good job protecting the brand there. You just wasted an opportunity. And and I do want to bring this up again. I think we've talked about this before, but outside promotions and partnerships also include local media. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of finding a local media outlet and partnering with them not as an advertiser. I think that being an advertiser with them is a good it, it's a good first step, but finding a partnership that's mutually beneficial is a great thing too. If your convention is dealing in TV and movie stars, especially TV, and you've got a local TV station that is airing a show that one of your guests is currently on or has a syndication of one of those shows or the person was on that network when they were on TV if, if they were in a big network show. You want to go to that broadcast partner and say, here's the deal. We have one of your people at our event. We want your logos all over it. In exchange for that, we want airtime during these type of shows that touch on what we do. And come up with a mutual partnership where they're getting the benefit of being in front of all of your people attached to somebody from one of their brands. And you get the ability to tell all the people on their brands that you're bringing one of their favorite stars to the show. And that goes for all media partners. That goes for billboards, print, radio, anybody that's a media partner in your market. Find a way to partner with someone and let them help you, not just by paying for ad space, but find a partner. And it might start with buying ads, but try to get it to that partnership level. If you can get somebody to buy into your event and what you're selling, it goes a long, long way. Because if they're excited about it, they put more love and passion into promoting your event, and that is something you can't buy no matter how much money you throw at them. So if you can get people excited and into it and buy into what your uh, what your vision is for your event, that that's the that's the golden ticket right there. And speaking of tickets, you have tickets which carry a value. Mm-hmm. Tickets to your event are valuable. If you have a partner that can give those tickets away for a partnership, for a promotion... Look, they want to give those away because they have people that they want to attract. They're going to attract them by using your currency, tickets to your show, as the bait. In exchange for that, they need to help promote your show. So uh, I think we could probably keep going on promotions, but I'm itching to actually talk about, for the first time, (laughs) I'm actually itching to talk about the geek topic that you've brought to the table today uh, because you hit me with this one over the weekend and it kind of stopped me in my tracks because I'd never even considered this question because it's so far outside the realm of my thought process. But you were like immediately, oh, yeah, that's one of that's one of my books in this category, a category I never even considered existed. Well, that's because I, I have the opportunity to maybe possibly win a uh, Batman number one. <laughs> Uh, it's a basically I, I bought into a mystery box and the grand prize is a CGC. I think it's a one Oh Batman one. Doesn't matter. It's like a $30,000 book. Now, and if you're not familiar with these mystery boxes, <laughs> basically the idea is that there is a retailer or a comic book shop mm-hmm. who is selling you a mystery box that comes with, what does it have like five books in it? Uh, this one just it doesn't tell you how many is just guaranteed to uh, be at least 150 bucks. So so there's going to be 150 dollars worth of comic books. It could be 10 books. 
It could be one book. Mm -hmm. You're going to get at least $150 worth. They make X number of mystery boxes. You, if you're one of the first, however many, if 600, 500, yeah, somewhere it, in that range. Yeah, the one I bought from is a, a comic book store in Vegas, uh, Torpedo Comics. They have this mystery vault package, and it's 600 boxes, 100 bucks per box. And uh, they, they have one super grand prize, which is uh, this month, Batman 1, which is a book I never even thought I'd even quite possibly maybe have an outside shot at owning. So I was like, all right, that's like buying a $100 raffle ticket. Yeah. Um, I'm in. The hell well, with but it. It's, it's even better than a, a raffle ticket because you know you got books coming. Oh, yeah, you're going to get something. And beyond like the super platinum grand prize, whatever, uh, they have like lower tiers, like First Brainiac from Superman's one of the books you can get. Uh, there's a – God, what was the other big payday book that was like a – Grand fifteen hundred. There's, there's basically, there's a lot of quality key issues in this thing. Yeah, out of like the six hundred boxes, there's a hundred boxes that are gonna get like something worth five hundred dollars plus, which is yeah, pretty good odds. Yeah, that's that's decent odds, and it's a decent return on investment. But when you were talking to me about it, you said the phrase, and I might screw it up, so you might have to actually <laughs> say it. It's Grail books. You never thought you'd even have a chance at owning? Yeah. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Books that are so just expensive and rare that the opportunity to even get one, if you had the cash, uh, yeah, these opportunities to get that's That's what it was. It books was so, <laughs> I, are just so incredibly rare. <laughs> you said, that's one of my top three never going to happen books. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, like... The fact that you had a top three never going to happen right away, and I had never even considered ranking out the never going to happens before, that to me was like, okay, well, wait a second. What are what are the other two never going to happen books? Batman 1 is one of yours. Yep. Uh, well, see, mine kind of goes back and forth depending on my mood. There's really a top four. <laughs> uh, well, okay, what if we call it a top five? Could you come up with five? Oh, yeah. I mean, Action Comics number one. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't be on my top three because Superman, I, we'll probably get in this on a later podcast, I absolutely hate. But if I had the opportunity to get Action Comics number one, it, not only is it one of the most, not only is it the most valuable comic book uh, known to man, but it's just such great artwork and so iconic. It's an, yeah, it's an it, iconic It'd be thing. awesome It's to museum. It, it wouldn't be something I would go out of my way to purchase, but if I had a, 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 the opportunity, I... If, <laughs> if there was a mystery box that had a, an Action Comics 1 in it. Definitely worth taking a shot at. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you want me to go first? You want to yeah, alternate? Then, How do you want to do this? Uh, we, we can alternate, so... Well, technically, well, I already said You've Batman already said one. two. So you've said... Batman 1 and Action Comics 1. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'll make this easy. Batman 1 also on my list of top five. Check. Uh, and and I have a feeling this one will be on your list next anyway. So Detective Comics 27. Yep, first Batman. Uh, Detective Comics 27 and Batman number 1 are two books that are like neck and neck in my mind. Because as cool as it is to have Batman the first appearance... To have Batman number one with Batman's name on the cover and it be the Joker's first appearance and Catwoman's first appearance, but literally the first appearance of the Joker, it's Batman one with the iconic Batman Robin cover. Yeah, Bat that cover 
is just incredible. I mean, it's almost as iconic and beautiful as the Action Comics number one. I think it's better. I think the action, the action comics number one is it's okay. Like it's cool because of what it represents, but like the Superman doesn't really look like Superman. Uh, really, what are we doing there? Smashing a car? Like I, there's there's a whole lot of like, it, it, it's it's cool because of what it represents for history. But if you're gonna look at two covers and you're gonna strip away the history and everything, and you're gonna tell me to pick one of those two covers. It's got to be Batman 1. It's got to be Batman Robin. <laughs> it has to be. It is a great cover. No doubt about it. So so Detective Comics, I'll even, if I had to rank them in order, I'd say Detective Comics 27.5 and Batman 1.4. Yeah. 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 Nothing wrong with that. Uh, uh, let's see here. What's next on my list? See, this is where I get uh, tossed because, you know, Batman 1's number one. Detective Comics number two. We go to number five, we got Action Comics 1. So three and four are always interchangeable. Uh, and for me, the two books are Amazing uh, Fantasy 15, first Spider-Man, yep. which is just an, a great cover, uh, origin of Spider-Man, all that cool stuff. Uh, the other one, which might be uh, kind of shocking, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, which may Cav- see- Caveat, though. First print. First it's got to be a first print. And the reason is, like, I think you just looked up the CGC circulation. There's, like, less than 500 well, in. So I I did a little research on this because I also want to reference some of the books that aren't going to make our list just for a frame of reference for other books in this category. Uh, and I didn't have TMNT number one first print in there. When you said it, I, I've seen number ones for sale. Yeah, you can get one for about 400 bucks. It's third, third print. print. <laughs> uh, but that's what was in my mind was like, oh, well, hang on. I've seen those for like a couple hundred bucks. So I looked up what a TMNT, because we were trying to set rules. Like, what's a never going to happen book? Uh, at $400, a never, that's not a never going to happen book. We both own books or have owned books in our lifetime that are that valuable or more valuable i got three of them sitting on my desk as we speak so we tried to figure out what the parameters were and you said that tmnt number one a first print is absolutely in our parameters and Mm. i i didn't really believe it so i looked it up and the current estimated population originally there were three thousand copies in the first print Mm -hmm. there are estimated to be less than 200 in circulation right now yeah and if you're lucky, you can find a mid grade for about ten grand, but I, I couldn't even find one at ten. But I mean, I literally, uh, what, five minutes before we went on the air, just hit the uh, internet to go searching and found like a nine six for what was it, thirty eight thousand dollars? Sounds about right. Thirty nine thousand dollars, which to us is a never gonna happen book. Well, it's I mean, not the same as like Action Comics one, where a nine zero sold for three point two million dollars. It's not a million dollar book, but Anything above $10,000 is never going to happen, book, in my world. Well, even beyond price, we're talking about less than 300 lying yeah, you around. Got, you got to find I mean, one. You that, have to find the opportunity to yeah. even, if I had 10 grand in the bank or 20 grand, I just can't go down to uh, Excalibur down the street here and, and pick up a copy. You got to search for it. And, and with every year that passes, whether you're talking about classic cars, baseball cards, comic books, there's less and less because, you know, people throw out their garbage. Something gets, tragically happens. A house burns down, a collection inside of it. Exactly. You got flooding, whatever the case may be, act of God, you know, uh, whatever. 
there's less and less. TMNT, that one almost made it onto my list after we looked it up. Um, yeah, that that one is, I mean, if we went 10 deep on this list, it would it would probably make its way onto my and, list. And to me, the uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles hold a soft spot in my heart. I, when I was a kid, I watched that movie probably 100,000 times. I mean, movie, cartoon, video games, ninja rap, I mean, name it. I mean, the, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for our generation are iconic and so yeah i it on a top 10 list it definitely makes its way onto my list uh number three for me amazing fantasy 15 mm. for spider-man i mean i'm not a huge spider-man mark in the way that i am like batman but the amazing fantasy 15 book is it is such a definitive fixed point in time well, not just it's the start of the Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. Everything I, you know and love about all those movies and comic books and Stan Lee, it all started right there. I mean, some people will point to Captain America or this person, but to me, and most comic book historians, Amazing Fantasy fifteen is where the birth of Marvel started. It feels different than like Detective Comics twenty seven, Action Comics one. Even Batman one, it just feels different. Like those feel like they're rigid academic, mm-hmm. and Amazing Fantasy fifteen feels like breath of fresh air, a changing of the guard, something special's happening. Uh, I, that book for me, if I had an opportunity, if if you told me that I could put a hundred dollars onto one of those mystery boxes, and I but I had to choose, if there's a chance to get Action Comics one or I don't know. I wrote some of these other ones down here. Hulk number one or <laughs> Amazing Fantasy 15. If I, if I have to buy one of these three, I'd probably pick Amazing Fantasy 15 out of those ones. Just because, I, and I know action comics would be more expensive, but like you just got done saying about TMNT, you're not always just readily available to go pick up a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15. There's a limited population. So even if you had the money, even if I were to get Action Comics 1, I cashed that out, had the money. Now I've got the money to get ASM 15. Can I do it? It's tough. I mean... That's it, not AS. It's, sorry, I jumped the gun. It's I not... No, yeah, sorry. I, I know what you meant. I, I was covering for you. Uh, but, but it's Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean... It, it is the book for you know for a lot of people. Like, that's it. You already had that on yours, right? Yeah, I did. Okay. I'm trying to remember what yours, your three were and what my three were. Well, I uh, just to recap, Batman 1, Detective Comics 27, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Okay, then, so hold on. Wait, that would put you at your number one, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm, before... I'm, I'm, I'm done with my list. I burned through it. No, that's only four. Yeah, Action Comics one. That was number five. Oh, okay. So, okay. Well, I screwed that up because I wanted to talk about some of the other books. Uh, and, and we can just do that after we get through our list. So, I've got two more to go. Uh, my number two, Captain America number one. Yeah, that's a good book. Uh, I hated Captain America as a character <laughs> the same way that you hate Superman for the longest time. Uh, it wasn't until Ed Brubaker and then Chris Evans in the MCU that really made me start to appreciate Captain America. I, Ca- Captain America with the right story can be one of the greatest characters 
in existence. Sadly, Captain America isn't given good material often enough. Yeah. Like, Batman consistently always has great material. Uh, Spider-Man consistently great material. Captain America, eh, hit or miss. It hasn't been the best. Um, and really coming of age in a weird mix of who's Captain America, it, it, Steve Rogers' dad, oh, it's Bucky, wait, no, it, like, there's, there's been weird stuff with Captain America. Yeah. But honestly, the Ed Brubaker run hmm. and the MCU really made me like Captain America a lot more. But more importantly, it's that iconic cover. Him punching, punching Hitler. Hitler in the yeah. face. <laughs> I want that. I want the best-looking cover I can find. I would love to have that Holy Grail book displayed proudly. That was Jack Kirby art, too, I believe it? so. Yeah. I mean... Jack Kirby is a phenomenal artist, but uh, his work on Captain America is, is just next level great. Uh, that cover, just like when I see it, I just it makes me happy. Um, and and it's it's you know punching Hitler that makes me really happy. But <laughs> what no? But what honestly makes me really happy about it is the place that I was in with Captain America for the longest time. Not liking Captain America. I don't want to say hating Captain America, but not a Captain America fan. And the fact that I was able to be talked into being a Captain America fan makes me really appreciate what was there before. Hmm. So, I, I just pulled up a picture. Uh, yeah, it just it just feels good. By the way, funny you should mention that. I guess uh, it was the March 1941 issue. Oh, so, hey. so just birthday. in time for the uh, for its anniversary. Uh, okay. That brings me to my one to recap mine. I got Detective Comics 27, Batman number one, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15, and Captain America number one. You probably know my number one. X-Men one? X-Men number one. That yep. would be top of my list, written by Stan Lee with pencil and cover by Jack Kirby. Uh, Another great Jack Kirby uh, masterpiece there. The old school uh, maize and blue suits. Magneto, Angel with a bazooka, <laughs> a non-hairy beast. You've got Jean Grey or Marvel Girl, whatever you want to call her, uh, dancing around in the background for no reason at all. A faceless Iceman throwing snowballs. It is one of my favorite comic book covers of all time. Ooh. Uh, Oof. Oh, is that another one that we're going to talk about? Yeah, yeah, you just sparked it in my brain. Favorite comic book covers of all time? Yeah. Okay, Ooh. we'll write that up for next week. Uh, but but that you know X Men like we said about TMNT, our generation the X Men were huge for. Oh God, those cartoons! Saturday the cartoon, morning, the on cartoons, Fox. but then the movies. Yes, the fact that we had so many different X Men books. I mean, outside of Blade, probably the early comic book movies. X Men was the next big. X Men's the reason that we have the the comic book movies we do. I know Blade saved Marvel saved the idea of comic book movies but it those x-men movies and actually you can probably split the difference and say part of it belongs to x-men part of it belongs to spider-man the toby Maguire, sam raimi spider-man movies god those were great well the first well actually you know what in Up hindsight until three three was terrible but it's one of those like it, it, it was bad but but in hindsight like it was fun bad. Like, it was early 2000s bad. Oh, don't even get me started on 2000s. That's my biggest problem with Punisher Warzone, that era where uh, 
Uh, we're it's two thousands. We're gonna play some new metal and just have people parkour everywhere for no reason. Yeah, but that Ooh. but that's not the bad two thousands that Spider Man three was. Spider Man three was bad two thousands. Like we're gonna insert a whole bunch of emo emo. We're gonna insert a whole bunch of bad CGI. We're gonna we're gonna just go Ugh. over the top. It's like they literally went over the top for the purposes of going over the top. But back to X Men one. Uh, the the X Men hold a very special place in my heart. And if I ever had an opportunity to buy into some kind of raffle or mystery box or something, some way that I could get my hands on number one, I would go for it. And and you know what? It, it's not one of those never going to own. This is where we were kind of drawing a line. And actually, I should double check because I haven't looked at the price of this lately. But I know that they're more readily available. They are still quite expensive, but they're probably what? Six grand? You know what I'm you know what I'm looking for? No. Uh yeah, here's what I'm looking for. These are much more obtainable. This is much more this doesn't count as our never gonna happen book. Giant size X Men number one. That would be the next place to go if you were gonna go get like a like I've I've owned early uh first 10 issues first 12 issues of x-men keys before uh i owned first sentinels uh i owned a couple other early keys i sold you one did you i think i sold you first juggernaut no i don't have first juggernaut i think you sold it no i don't i don't think i ever had first juggernaut i sold it to somebody somebody's got my copy of uh first juggernaut out there yeah no i i i think i went from I don't know what my next key is, uh, but I have a lot of like the '70s, '80s keys now. Mm. Uh, Kitty Pride. Yeah, I, I have I have that uh, <laughs> key issue. But my my comic book collection is so anemic compared to what it used to be. I mean, I'm a guy who used to have fifty thousand comic books. No joke, fifty thousand. And now I have now I have a, a small box. I have my, a short box. My most depressing thing is I sold a bunch of my stuff prematurely because i really 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 wanted a uh spider-man 129 first appearance of the punisher and now looking back it's like ooh, i wish i had those like uh first green goblin what was that amazing spider-man 14 mm, I'm, uh, some, I, I'm not I, as good I, with the keys on it's somewhere in that neighborhood but like i sold my copy for 450 i was just looking around the other day like that'd be a cool book to replace it's up. You can't find a copy, no matter the condition, for less than a grand. It's like, ooh, that hurts my. I heart. don't even want to go down that road and start talking about that because I'll I'll start having Walking to talk Dead. about Walking Dead number ones that I used <laughs> to own and New Mutants ninety eights. The the amount of those two titles that I have owned at one point or another are, and you know, I have a history. You have personally witnessed my history of uh, not bad investments. I make great investments. You just I pull cash out, out at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's those comic books or whether it's a Patrick Mahomes limited graded 9.5 autograph rookie card, whatever it is, I end up screwing it up and selling too early. All I know is the one book that I actually probably could afford if I wanted to, just haven't found the right copy, is Daredevil 1. I want that book. That damn Netflix show jacked the price up before I could buy one. Uh, but I will get one of those eventually. Uh, if you... I just want to say this on the record. If you hit that Batman number one after we have this conversation, joint custody. I think we are we are willing this 
to well, happen based well, on this conversation. It's a CGC book, and since I have nowhere to store them, it's going to be right in there on my desk with the rest of them. So, <laughs> so I have visitation rights. So, so you can visit it. <laughs> Look, if you get Batman one, do not bring it into this building. Well, do not ever allow it. Actually, if you get Batman one, if you do, if if this whole thing does, if we're willing this into existence now. You need to insure that thing. Oh, I, I definitely will get insurance on you it. Need to, you need to go find Actually, just get a bank to... Uh, but uh, if you look at my desk, I already have first appearance of uh, Ra's al Ghul. I have first Poison Ivy. First Batman, uh, Batman number one with the fir- first Joker. First Joker, first Catwoman. Uh, right there with, with all their friends. It'd be beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want any responsibility for that thing being in this building at any time. Mostly because I don't trust myself. All right, uh, but, but well, since we brought up the mystery box and all that, we will be doing a video. I will be opening the box live as soon as it's delivered. Uh, it's supposed to ship out on March sixth, so hopefully. Uh, oh, so we could be seeing this next week. We literally could be opening up. Uh, you know, as wow, early we could, as next Friday, yeah. Friday the thirteenth, we could be cracking it open. Celebrating uh, our big guest announcements. Oh, yeah, that's right, because, well, next week might be a weird week for the podcast, too, because next week's going to be a busy, busy week, because we're going to start laying out all of those guest announcements, all those heavy guest announcements. We got uh, the heavy hitters coming, baby. Yep, so. Aren't, aren't we doing a guest announcement today? I don't remember. I, I have to go look at the... I'm I, getting, I, I think it is, but I don't remember who, so I'm afraid to say. <laughs> I'm getting text messages and, and emails right now, so I'm, I'm a little confused as to what's going on. Uh, it's going to be a busy two weeks here. Yep, 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 yep. And yep, it doesn't really get a lot easier after that because we're going to start... Uh, we're going to start making appearances push. at partner conventions. Uh, we're going to be... Jesus, what is what is happening? We started this with you singing Elvis, and now we're ending it with you singing Salt and Pepper. Well, we're we're pushing it, baby. We're pushing it to the finish line. We're pushing it real good. I don't like where this is going now. Uh, okay. Make sure to uh, rate and review us wherever you download this podcast. Uh, make sure that you've already subscribed and didn't just download a single one. And then Download the app. And tell all your friends to download and subscribe as well, wherever they get their podcasts at. And yes, please, download the app so when we make a guest announcement, you get it on your phone and you know what's up. When tickets go on sale, you'll get it to your phone and you know what's up. If you download the app, you will stay up to date with everything GeekCon all the time. You can get it in your phone's App Store, Google Play, or iTunes Store just by searching GeekCon. Or you can find it on our website, GeekCon.com. Anything else? Nope, you nailed it.